1: Doing in here Drake Hills?
0: Oh yes! What are we doing in here? Live and direct in the studio, Nick Gray. It's very nice. Episode five, plugged in. This is a National Soccer Podcast inside the Tennessean Towers, or what I used to call it last year—the tall towers of the Tennessean.
1: Not quite as tall. I think there's some buildings that have risen above us in yeah, the last true. year.
0: There has been looks some, like a real downtown down here. There's been some expansion since we actually got into the studio and recorded a podcast, and not just in MLS. Yeah, March 11th, 2020, Drake's birthday was the last time we recorded a podcast in this studio. It was like a
1: 15 minute. We were kind of like, are we should we be doing this in hazmat suits? Should we even be recording this close at all?
0: In, indeed, but now we actually have. National C stuff to talk about. Oh, we do, yeah. Because that what
1: it was two games. It was two games. We, I was tired of talking about Atlanta. That Atlanta game. I was tired of. You know, we talked. We had a whole podcast on the Portland game. I think before that, and then we indeed came in here and threw down some a fifteen minute quickie podcast on
0: Toronto FC, and then everything changed after that. Everything did change, but in the immediate. Hours before recording this episode, Julia Poe, my good friend from the Orlando Sentinel, broke news that National Sea minority owners, the Wilfs family, Ziggy Wilf, uh, Mark Wilf, and Leonard Wilf, who are also owners of the Minnesota Vikings but have a minority stake in National Sea, are purchasing Orlando City, Orlando Pride, its academy, and Exploria Stadium. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And she also reported that it is a requirement that the Wilfs family sell their minority stake of Nashville SEA due to their transaction in Central Florida. Not saying it's a big impact, but it is newsworthy, and it is a part of the Nashville SEA family. But we also have some things to talk about on the field. Nashville SEA, two strikers on the field for the first time probably since... I want to say Dallas October, Daniel Rios and Jean Dracatis. At but,
1: least when they started out, I know there were some times where they felt like they had to do that because of Keen situations.
0: But yeah, yeah, some game situations. Also injuries. We saw right. Randall Leal as a second striker at the end of last year, but that was due to the uh, injury bug ravaging the Nashville Seaside. This time, Nashville C goes up against New England Revolution, once the top dogs and still technically top dogs of the Eastern Conference. 2-0, win. CJ Sapong, Dom Baji start up front. Sapong and Alex Muiol both get their first goals for Nashville. Alex Muiol has been a guy who's obviously been in the team since September of last year. He comes in with the tag of the defensive winger. He comes in with the tag of MLS top workman, uh, who's going to give you the best work rate in MLS. He's going to run 7 to 9 kilometers uh, in a match. He just absolute, is an is a absolute workhorse. But he comes in, not only are there two strikers on the field, but Gary Smith actually inverts his wingers, has Alex Muiol starting on the left. You've got Randall Leal on the right. Randall was still Randall, but you got Alex Muiol comes in. He's putting a lot more pressure on Tejon Buchanan, who oddly was starting as a right wing back. And so he handles business defensively, but he also is able to cut in on his right side, and he scores a goal in the second half.
1: It's kind of like what we, I mean, we, had, we had our whole podcast last week was basically on strikers and formational balance. And that, that were my two big points coming out of the first three games. What did we see on Saturday?
0: We saw success with a two striker system
1: and formational balance with the it two did. wingers flipped, where you don't have to feel like all the play has to go to one side. It was, you know, I know I think the expected goals were 1.0, which was, you know, it wasn't the first two games in terms of. In terms of chances created, but it definitely felt like, I don't know what it is about C.J. Sapong. You know, there, there's there's something about him and the way that he plays. There's something about C.J. Sapong that I like, that he brings something different.
0: Well, I think it's the fact that he is someone who isn't going to just stick in the middle. He isn't going to uh, cut off his interest in the game, his involvement in the game, if service is not coming into the box. He will go out and close down a fullback. He will go and close out a goalkeeper who's trying to go make a clearance. He will maybe rustle and tussle with your center back trying to fight for position, holding up play. He can run off you if you're a second striker. We saw that with Dombaji. He also was someone who could drop into the midfield, although that is something more of Jean Ricardis and maybe even Daniel Rios. But Sapong has shown versatility. That is what probably is pleasing to your eye, Nick Ray? Uh, but, look, Sapong, he scored the goal, but I think we should talk more about the potential of Alex Moheel. Exactly with this inverted winger situation, can that be permanent? Of course, probably not. I mean, Gary, knowing Gary Smith, he's a little bit more conventional in the sense that he's going to stick to what he wants, and what that is the 4-2-3-1, but just seeing Alex in the left wing position, I think he just it just makes him a different player yeah. it just makes him someone who is more attacking and more aggressive going
1: forward. I, I think that's right and I think that you're never going to worry about his work rate and you're never going to worry about his ability to feel like he has to track back you're never going to have to worry about that energy and so when you have somebody out there, you want to make sure that you know your bases are kind of covered. And, you know, Gary Smith, you know, he's going to try to cover every base he possibly can with with whatever tactics he brings into a certain match. Yeah. And that's that's a big thing. And, and you know, we talked about, you know, Alex Mule. And, and I think even at the beginning of the season when I mentioned him as somebody who would factor heavily in and, and not be somebody who's pinned in like Randall Lee Aller. You know, Hani Mutar when he's when he's fit and ready to go.
0: Also, someone who wasn't included in this team. He's got right. that sore hamstring that took him out of the lineup. Which,
1: which is, which hopefully he's. Do you know anything about his condition for this weekend?
0: Well, as far as this weekend, that's certainly a question for Gary Smith on Thursday, as we record this episode on right. Wednesday. But what Gary said in the post-match press conference on Saturday after the Revs' win was that the timeline certainly uh, is is a little bit more optimistic and is not necessarily a worry about honey missing multiple matches. Oh, that's could good. He, could he reinvigorate the, the pain or the weakness or whatever is going on in that hamstring this week, potentially? Uh, would he start or come off the bench? I think that's another thing that you could very well see Hani Mukhtar on the bench. And you could allow the two-striker system to continue Against Real Salt Lake this weekend,
1: so so it's not a long term issue. That's, no, that's it's not a long
0: term issue. It is a sore hamstring. There's no there's no damage. There is no serious injury with Hani Mukhtar. and that's a good sign because obviously that's a guy who is going to connect your midfield to your Baji or your Sapong or your Kadis. But also that takes away half of your set piece ability because we all know Dan Lovitz is 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 a great from the great from the left or should I say great from the right coming in as a in swinging, but you know, honey Mukhtar is a guy who's going to be able to find Walker Zimmerman or Dave Romney on set piece.
1: Yeah. And so we, we talked all about this and, and about the tacking and the strikers and expected goals and all that. But now we've had two straight games with a clean sheet after two games of, of seeing two goals a piece. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think anybody was really concerned that they would f- figure that out to the point where they would get back to, you know, scoring, you know, allowing less than one goal a game. So I'm interested to see, though, how this team looks on the road and what kind of tactics. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to sit back. Like, Real Salt Lake, and I, I hate to get too far out of of talking about the New England Revolution game because it was a, a sh- the kind of game that you expect Nashville SC to play. Like, that, like if I were to say – What's the what's the by the book game for Nashville SC? New England that New England Revolution game kind of seems like it'd be it. But I think it's I'm gonna be interested to see what kind of tactics Gary Smith wants to use with this team on the road.
0: Yeah, I'm not quite sure looking and I look, we've talked about the revs, it's a win, it's two nil. I think the sh- the door has shut with the slow start narrative. Yeah,
1: that that's not a thing anymore.
0: And so it's I think it's more about the new chapter. And Real Salt Lake is a team so far. Ruby Overbean, the guy who's bounced around for the past several years, twenty five year old, uh, comes into RSL after playing the end of last season with San Diego Loyal in USL. He comes in. He's had some. He's had a few goals. Uh, Krylock has been a good attacking mid. Uh, they've. They have Justin Murum, who has been, he's been decent, and I think the rest of our attack really hasn't threatened much, um, and look, Ochoa is coming in as a, as a young goalkeeper. We saw him in Olympic qualifying for the U.S. Look, I mean, RSL is a decent side, but they're very much improved from last year, no longer with Corey Baird as a, as a winger, who's now with LAFC, and look I mean they're, they're a team that has been I'm not going to say consistent RSL has been a team that they're going to put a couple of goals up against Minnesota, but they weren't able to beat San Jose a team whos no, who's pretty much proved to be a, one of the stronger teams to start this year um, as far as National City is concerned like I don't see much changing when you start talking about conservatism or how they're going to play. the way I see it is it's probably going to be more about getting out to a strong start once again. I'm not sure if they're going to be a team that's going to allow, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how Alistair Johnson and Dan Lovitz are going to advance far up the pitch to begin the match, how aggressive they're going to be on getting upfield and how that attack looks like. But I don't necessarily see the shape changing. I don't necessarily see this playing style change. Nashville SEA already has a very low block defensive structure. So I don't see that changing either. It's just more about who's going to start strong. And if you have Walker and Dave pretty much solidify their defense against Rubio Rubin, exactly how much danger do you think RSL is going to impose on Nashville?
1: Not, not a ton. I, I don't, I this don't could think very much lot. be
0: a goalless draw. I, I certainly hope not. <laughs> I certainly hope not. It's going to be an eight thirty kickoff Central Time. I want <laughs> I want to see some goals if I'm going to be watching, you know, at ten o'clock at night. And there's expected goals, which are both under one and a half. Well,
1: I will say though, looking at the expected goals for Real Salt Lake, two points They started off so they are, look at their form. Minnesota United. Yeah, but
0: it's Minnesota on the road.
1: They got a two one win though. Then they went and hosted Sporting Kansas City and threw down a three one win against Sporting Kansas okay, City. Okay, that's been decent. And then at home uh, last Friday, a two one loss to San Jose, where they only had they only picked up a point nine expected goals.
0: Yeah, Rubio Rubin's, uh bicycle kick was probably one of the best goals of the week, if not best goals of the season. But, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, RSL was there wasn't much to it, and I'm sure that wasn't ha- I'm sure that goal
1: wasn't heavy on the. Uh, the expected goal, either. So, I I, I, I don't
0: know. I that think, was big on the Audi index.
1: Oh, it was. That, <laughs> it certainly was. And uh, certainly on the uh, social media, manager goes crazy on Twitter. That's that's also something that did happen. But you look at it, so, you know, 2.2 against Minnesota United, sporting, they had 1.3 expected goals, and then 0.9 against San Jose. Don't want to state the obvious here, but Nashville SC probably a little bit better defensively than either of those three teams, I would say?
0: Oh, I think they're, especially now that RSL is catching them outside of their first four matches, if RSL would have said, okay, we're going to welcome Nashville on the second game of the season, then who knows? There might have been some miscommunication. There might have been some discrepancies, uh, you know, between fullbacks and centerbacks. There might be a discrepancy between how. No, because the Montreal game, I don't like to use that because both situations both turnovers yeah. if you were or the or the second one actually when Zachary just decided to swipe one it deflects off Dame Romney and goes in kisses the crossbar on that
1: ha- I mean that can happen to uh, anyone
0: yeah I-, I don't like using that one but going back to the Cincinnati match you had Walker Zimmerman, Dax McCarty and Alistair Johnson in the facility and Lucia Costa just you know winds his way through but again if you're not RSL in that situation if you haven't played Nashville in those first couple of matches I don't think you're gonna see anything like that. That's a very much a first game of the season mistake. Right now that Nashville has been on been at home four consecutive matches, all of that newness, all of that first match, all the the, the early season mistakes, I think are out the window. That's why I'm saying I think this could very much be a nil nil, one nil result for Nashville. So so
1: my question of the week is this given that you started out with a trio of draws against teams that you needed to beat, you have another team that you would think you could get at least a result, if not a victory, uh, a full three points out of Salt Lake. Because of the start of the first three games, is this an opportunity? It is an opportunity. I think we both can admit. It is an opportunity to, to regain some of those points, even if it's on the road. Is this not a must win, but is this almost a, is this an important chance to get three points?
0: Well, I mean everyone, every match is, especially in the first yeah, I but, would say I would say in the first couple of months. I mean look if you look at the schedule, right? We already talked about the four consecutives. Yes. You've got you go on the road to RSL, then you've got Austin FC, and then you go on the road to Atlanta.
1: Before a, a long stretch of home games
0: indeed before a long stretch of home games in in june and july
1: but my point is you're not gonna like if if this was this game was at atlanta or if this game was at portland or if this game was at seattle that's not those aren't places where you're gonna say well i don't think i'm not gonna go out here and say well if they don't get three points they're they're they really feel like they should have done better this is salt lake this is not going to be in front of a a rabid crowd this is not going to be like the atmosphere of oh my goodness let's we're gonna have to L. get out in and out of here,
0: enter Miami or right
1: any of that Just, you know fifty thousand fifty thousand in uh, in Atlanta not gonna have that this is going to be a situation where it's gonna be as calm as can be against a side that you shouldn't feel too dangerous about.
0: Well, yeah, I mean it's important to get these. Points Eventually, you're not to your point. You're not going against Atlanta. You're not. You haven't faced Orlando yet. You haven't seen NYCFC yet. You haven't even seen Columbus Crew, even though Columbus is, you know. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't think know who the had- Columbus Crew
1: are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting to that. We'll get to that. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> but I, uh, to your point, if that's what you're asking, I will say that yes, this is it's it's required. It's it's paramount that Nashville see at least get a point here because look, I know Atlanta United are still people are still filling them out. You have Joseph Martinez back on the side. He scored. Looking good. Looking pretty good. Aside from him, though, I don't necessarily have much belief in Atlanta United. However, it is still on the road in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You have not, you know, beaten Atlanta in Atlanta yet. You had that 4-2 win against them at Nissan Stadium. But by that time, Atlanta was already in shambles. So, yeah, I mean, of course – both these matches, both on the road to RSL and at home to Austin, again, you're, you need six points, but in reality, could it be a four-point? Could it be two points? I think two points is a failure. I think four <laughs> points is more on par. But how many more times,
1: and I'm going to put my sports radio cap on where there's a guy yelling into the microphone and, and just thinking very blindedly. How many more times? Can you have National SC drop points in games that they need to win how many more times Drake Hills yeah I think tell that, me
0: that that ended two games ago if you weren't able to beat Miami without the Guayin brothers that yeah. door closed then like if, if that was a win then we wouldn't even that whole week against the revs wouldn't even existed right. Right. Even if, they, even if they dropped points against New England, we would have been like, oh well, okay. But because they went goalless against Miami at home, I mean, aside from Lewis Morgan and and Jay Chapman in the beginning of the match, and that was even minuscule to begin with. There was no danger from inner Miami right. in the second half. So that point point, that,
1: point three goal difference, uh, the, goals goals against. There expected that
0: that narrative. That narrative would have died a long time ago. So this whole like, how how much longer that door is that story's been gone. Like Nashville's playing catch up in that regard, but I don't think they're sitting on that train. That's just a narrative that we you and I yes
1: are narrative builders. creating. Yes, we are. Yes, but at, at some point you have to 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 think about. All right, we're starting to drop these points. Starting to drop these points. We're not, you know, we're doing okay against the the bigger and the better teams, but
0: there hasn't not, been a bigger that's and better true. team Other than that's England. true.
1: So, so your margin of error, error is narrowing. I'm just saying you can't make it any more narrow. Going to see out to to Salt Lake, excuse me. You, you just I don't think it's you keep narrowing the margin of error when you go to places like that. Or when you play teams like that, and I don't even care about the place, Salt Lake. That's that's the place where you're getting like it's three points, man. Go get the three points.
0: <laughs> Are you getting impatient, Nick Gray?
1: I'm not getting impatient. I I, I do I want think to it's too early myself. to be impatient. Yeah, though. it is. It is. But given the start, and we you know this is our entire first month of podcast of the season. Given this, th- first, given the start, pile up the points as much as you can. And I even said I wouldn't be surprised if they start slowly. And they did. But now, eventually, you can't be losing points. Is this the time? And that's my question. You don't we've already talked about it. I'm just rephrasing it again. Is this the time in which National SC needs to just start piling up the points? I guess we'll see. I don't I don't I don't know. We, nobody knows the answer. We'll find out when they play on Saturday. But that's what I'm going to be looking for, and that's what I'm going to be looking for throughout the rest of the schedule, especially the ones that they have at home. Now, I I know that they got three of the next four on the road, and after this, Atlanta United, it's not going to be easy, I don't think. New York Red Bulls, you know, we'll see what what version of them they're going very to be. A very young,
0: a very young New York Red Bulls. Yeah, so
1: there's, there's going to be some volatility there. It could be different by the by whichever you know, whichever version you get. Whichever whichever quality they aspire to on the given day yep. could be important. But then that five-game home stretch, Toronto, Montreal, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Chicago. Now, that doesn't sound like Cincinnati, Montreal, Miami, New England. It sounds a little diff- more difficult.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to jump too much ahead of the gun, but just the teams that you mentioned. Start piling up the points. Toronto, Toronto. Look, there's been... No sign of life. Been, there's been no Chris Mavinga. Jonathan Osorio has been not 100% fit. Alejandro Pozuelo, the league MVP of 2020, has been out. And Josie Altidore has been in and out, you know, having to deal with MLS and CONCACAF Champions League play. Don't, not sure how Michael Bradley is, is doing with all that. And, of course, you have a completely new coach. So you think that's the team that's probably
1: been hurt the most by Champions League play?
0: Mm, could very well be Columbus Crew as well. They haven't lost Columbus
1: Crew. Have not lost to Monterey. Well, they lost to Monterey, but I'm talking about in general. Like they did. I mean, they responded so poorly to Mon- the Monterey three 0 loss in midweek that well, they changed their logo and their name. But they also won three one at against at home against DC United. So yeah, it's a DC United though.
0: That's one team that is going to take some time to find a new identity. Hernan Lozada is a coach that I still think he's adjusting to MLS. Um, And obviously, Nashville you don't see them until a little bit later, but going back to your question and going back to how you rephrased it, this is a team Nashville. I don't, it's too early to say this is a new Nashville. This is, you know, that's, that's when is it not too early? When is it not too early? Yeah. I think at the end of the home stretch, Second okay. home stretch. So if we're here in the summer and Nashville C is still point, out of playoff, if they're out of playoff contention still, if they are not seventh or above after, you know, who, lo- who knows how long it'll take for Toronto to get back to full strength. Not sure what happens with Montreal. Orlando, again, is still going to be a test. Red Bulls, as I said, you've got Caden Clark is your, your name so far, and the dude's not even – Old enough to get in the club, like he's (laughs) you know, he's 17, 18, you know what I mean? So the teams that you're facing are in process, just as I think Nashville is still in process. Yeah. I think Nashville is still trying to figure out the two-striker system or not. Ooh. Are they gonna stick with the four, two, three, one and allow uh just you know, three to five shots on goal where I think with the four four two, I think when you start putting Alex Mueel into high gear, you let Randall Leal be be Leal, and you give CJ Sapong more PT. I think that jumps up double.
1: So are we both on the team? Get CJ Sapong more. We're on playing the team.
0: Time? We're on the team. Get Sapong some playing time. We're also. I'm also on team four four two. You've always been on that team, though.
1: Hmm. Kind of where you you were last year. I'm just saying saying
0: I have something to write about as far as (laughs) goals and attacking chances is concerned. Makes you happy. Against decent sides like FC Dallas, New England Revolution. Jeez, who else have I seen it from? Even Orlando, I believe, at the end of last season. Those are teams that are – those are decent teams. Those are teams that are in playoff contention. Those are teams that are in the playoffs. And you're having that shape or that style of play bode well for you. So Drake Hills,
1: I got some questions for you. We're a month in, right? We're a month into the season. Four weeks. That's we, right. Some 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 teams have three, some teams have four, but we're 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 into it now.
0: This week, this
1: weekend will be four weeks exactly. Yep, and it'll be five games for Nashville SC. But you watch some MLS soccer that's not Nashville SC, don't you? I do. Maybe not some. Uh, maybe not some Western Conference nine forty-five. Yeah,
0: nine thirty uh, Central Time kickoffs. But, no.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to ask you some, some questions. Number one, number one question. This is a quick. We're going to make it quick. We're gonna All make right, it quick. run them. <laughs> uh, who is who is your most disappointing team? Is it Toronto? Is it Minnesota?
0: Minnesota. Why? Uh, you have nothing to show for so far in the 2021 season. Mason Toy has not been replaced. And that's... Table Renoso has not <laughs> had any help. Do you think there's a chance
1: for them to still make it out of this and grab a playoff spot after... Nope having so much success over the last couple of years? No chance. And what are your thoughts about Toronto?
0: Toronto is a side that has been ravaged by injury. The Toronto that we're seeing is not the Toronto that will probably come about in the summer. Biggest good positive surprise in MLS? Chicharito Hernandez. I'm not going to call that surprise, but I'm going to call that the biggest impression. Where does Austin's general
1: success rank in that, on that list?
0: As far as what? Positive surprises, uh, mid tier. Out of out of let's say out of all the Eastern Conference teams, if I'm looking at surprises, San Jose is up there. LA Galaxy is up there. Um, I'll go maybe like three or four potentially.
1: How about that? Is that yeah, good enough? That's good enough for me. Has your supporter shield thoughts changed yet?
0: Yes, I thought it was going to be Sporting Kansas City. It is likely going to be Seattle Sounders, in my opinion. Are
1: there? Are they your favorite to win the MLS Cup as well? Ooh,
0: I'm going to say no. I don't even think they get to. I think they lose in the Western Conference Final. To who? Oh, LAFC
1: is LAFC the best soccer team in Los Angeles.
0: Yes. How close is it? Uh, close, but Vela is the big spacer. Carlos Vela is, you know, still kind of the guy. Not kind of. He is the guy. He Na- runs LA. National SC, your
1: MVP through four four games?
0: National SC's MVP through four games. Yes. Dan Lillard's. Check that. Ooh. Dax McCarty. Why? Why the change? Because I think after probably two – well, after one really strong game against Cincinnati, I think he had a bit of a drop-off against Montreal, made somewhat of a half comeback against Miami – oh, excuse me, against Cincinnati, strong one against Cincinnati, drop-off against Montreal, somewhat of a comeback against Miami. But I think he was absolutely strong against New England. Had that crucial block. Uh, he comes in, had some really good set pieces, had some really good crosses into the box, and obviously with the the cross into Sapon for the goal. Yeah. So I th- I think he's I think he's two or three on that list, but I think Dax McCarty has been one to absolutely double his work rate at you know a guy who's just in his mid thirties now. Like he, you know, that's a lot of mileage. It's a lot of wear and tear. And Gary Smith said he was the best player on the field for Nashville against Miami. I think he was up there against New England. And aside from a shaky start against Cincinnati in the first 15 minutes, as everyone was, I think he's been one of the best players.
1: Three more questions. League MVP through one through one month. Chicharito. Interesting. I like that. that I think the MLS is better if a guy like him
0: is... Well, MLS is better when you have both... LA team is really good Right. I also think it's also equally as good if although not as flashy if you have both New York teams really good if you have which is not going to be the case <laughs> I was going to say that, that's, that's not probably not as likely they're gonna both going to be mid-tier Eastern Conference they'll, they'll, I think they'll make the playoffs Yeah. but they're not going to do anything in the playoffs but they're it's a better league when both of those cities have really good teams first coach fired ooh can I say Heath?
1: You can you can say whoever you want to. I'm
0: gonna say Heath in Minnesota. Outlast Yabstam. <laughs> well, I just think. Look, for me, my opinions implemented into why I think Heath would go before Yabstam because it's not a Yabstam issue; it is a club issue. Your players are not good enough, right? Your build, your build, your roster build is fragmented. You're playing Yu Yakubo at a position. He's not a winger. This is not the first time I've heard him
1: go off on the, the Kubo situation. You say Locadia,
0: <laughs> I say Locadia, whatever. He's hardly been in the side. I don't like Joe Jaw is Nothing not good. Joe Jow is not. You're you need someone different than Joe Jaw coming on the flanks. So look, SC Cincinnati's roster build is not well. It's not good. She would probably fall in line with the more New England side of doing things but you need to draft well to do that. Like Andrew Farrell has been in since 2013 and he's very much important to the new England back
1: line outside of Minnesota, which I think you probably thought, did you think Minnesota was going to make the playoffs before the year started?
0: I can't remember. I had f- them. I think I had close. them in and around yeah. like seventh, eighth. All right. A team that you were sure was
1: going to make the playoffs that after watching three or four games of, you think
0: probably may, they may not. Ooh, might be Nashville. Ooh, wow! Because I had Nashville as a seventh seed. I mean, I think they could very well be. Uh, they could very well be a playoff team. As a matter of fact, I think it's still leading towards being a playoff team, than not. You know, and I think if they do miss the playoffs, it's going to be by three to six points. Two more.
1: I got two bonus questions for you. Just by thinking of them right can, now.
0: But can I add to that though? Sure. I think going and, and looking at teams that I've watched, I would have to say, I would have to say FC Dallas. Yeah. Not, oh, that doesn't not surprise be, me. Not, not because that they haven't done anything, that they have done something completely wrong. I just think when everyone else has gotten better, obviously LA Galaxy, Greg Vanney comes in, completely different way of playing, completely different culture down there. Uh I'm not sure what what's going on in Portland with the Timbers. Um but you got to think they're going to be up I think there. I think they're going to get there. But yeah, FC Dallas is around there. Do I think that Vancouver is going to make the playoffs? No. Okay. And if they lose the Minnesota the night that we're recording this podcast, <laughs> I will be very disappointed.
1: Could very well happen. Minnesota eventually needs to have some type of like motivational like they got to go go get it like you got to have a little bit of
0: they got to get, get ticked off
1: yeah you got to be angry yeah got 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 to have that emotion Austin going to make the playoffs no final question this will lead to maybe a rant by me at the end of this podcast thoughts on columbus sc
0: that is the most corporate move and non club move i have seen and anyone who thinks that it is worse than Montreal's rebrand or even Chicago Fire's rebrand is fooling themselves. I don't, uh, I don't agree with Chicago Fire being re- rebranded was, and renamed Chicago Fire FC. Right. And what looks to be like some sort of, uh, yeah, I, don't wanna, I don't know if you want to call it like a two-faced crown, whatever you want to call that. It looks like a big oval mirror. No, I I, I don't think that's good. Looks straight out of... I I personally like the colors. I like the rebrand of the colors. Yeah. But, you know, because I think you could do a lot with the colorways there. I'm just talking culture here. But as far as the badge, as far as joining the FCs of MLS, terrible. But if you're going to decide to take the best moniker of MLS... Or I would say maybe top three, the crew, and taking the crew out of your name and just calling yourselves Columbus SC, it's 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 just it's, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace, and it it I find it funny how Tim Bespacheco told Jacob Myers in the Columbus Dispatch that he felt and the stakeholders of this user group, right, the people who actually made this decision and came up with this new concept, felt that. They were jostling over each other, Columbus and Crew in the team name. Now, when they were mentioned, he's saying it felt like Nash, like Columbus was fighting for more space and was getting punched out by Crew, and that Crew was fighting for space and getting punched out by Columbus. That is absurd to me. And if you've, if you haven't looked at the actual the actual logo, it just looks like a big C inside of an ice cube with. Whatever is at the bottom, is terrible. It's terrible.
1: Well, if you listen to this podcast at all, and, and definitely if you listen to almost every episode, you know uh, I lived in Columbus for for a while. Went to school there, college or high school there. Um, became a soccer fan in Columbus. Became a Crew fan, so. Uh, to me, it's disappointing to see a fan base that's gone through so much, go through what it has to go through again. It wasn't save our soccer club or save this franchise or save this team. It was save the crew. Right. The crew name means so much to that or to that fan base that I, I wonder it's it's another situation where i i wonder if people who don't live there who don't understand the the, the fabric of the club make the decisions that impact the club so grandly it's another it's another situation that of mls and whether you think it's the teams individuals decisions to do these things or not MLS certainly has a direction it's going towards. No mascot names in the, no mascots in the name, if at all possible. Charlotte FC, Nashville SC, Columbus SC, CF Montreal. That's a thing that is happening, no doubt. Whether that's a thing that you think you can blame on MLS or if you want to blame on individual teams, it's happening. It's a trend that either MLS is encouraging or is allowing to happen altogether. Mm-hmm. Which means that they're to blame for it, regardless of what you think. The logos changes and the new logos obviously have a certain style that they're going for. And so when I look at this and whether or not MLS wants to to take the blame or not, and I'm sure they won't publicly for anything because they feel like they, they are above everything with their media partners when it comes to Fox and ESPN, the criticism isn't there where it needs to be. But I think for this the, the criticism needs to be there because this is a top 5 icon of MLS. And you can want this to be a national uh, international brand all you want to. But the fact of the matter is here at home your your best games aren't getting any better than 700,000 people. When you put when you put all your energy into marketing these games and putting them on the best networks, yep. they're doing no better than 700,000 people on television. That's about as good as second and third tier NASCAR races. It's about as good as some of these you know, you know baseball games that are on random TVs, TV selections. You have a product that you're not quite sure you even have a foothold in America. Not the foothold that you need to continue to grow this game. And yet, you claim that you want Columbus Crew to become an international... uh, Columbus SC to become an international brand. That was the thing that was time and again said by the club president, by the representative of the owners, Dr. Pete Edwards... That was said time and again. I don't understand it. I really, I really don't understand the concept of it. I I understand that the owners they've they've done good things in Columbus to this point. they built the new stadium. They've created an absolute monster of a of a on field organization with a really good coach, a DP that is one of the best players in MLS. And overall, one of the top three teams in the league who have won an MLS Cup. But what are you doing? None of that matters anymore to a lot of people. That's a lot of goodwill that you said, I don't think, I think we can risk all that goodwill and all that happiness from our fans who just three years ago thought that we were the saviors. And now... The main supporter group in Columbus has wants nothing to do with this logo or cheering on this team while this logo is in place. MLS, you should be ashamed. Haslam's, you should be ashamed. P.A. Edwards, you should be ashamed. The club president should be ashamed. And it makes no sense to me that you would be so short-sighted and risk so much with one of the best clubs in this in this in this country just because you think you want to be an international brand. You're, this is not going to be a team that becomes an international brand, and what you're risking is are the people that watch the games and spend the money on the games and spend the money on the team and spend the money on the apparel. And what you're doing is you're risking a fact that when this stadium opens up this summer, you could have a real fix on your hands.
0: Yeah, but I, I want to say – what exactly and when has there ever been an international phenomena
1: in MLS with a team,
0: with a team that has changed their name? There hasn't. There hasn't. There has, That has never been the case. You will not become an international icon by changing your name. That's not how it happens. It happens by culture. It happens by identity. By the people, right? And the crew are the is crew. One of the best representations of the people in MLS. Same thing, you could say that about the Timbers. But you've seen it in practice. Right. But you, And you see that it doesn't change. It remains the same and it represents the people. And so when you change a name, then all of a sudden you're starting from scratch. It doesn't matter how much you try and say that the crew is always going to stay the same. We want to remain as being referred to the crew. But let's let's face it here. That is not going to put you on the international stool. And on top of that, this isn't a mascot. No, the crew isn't a mascot. It's the. There's, I think there's a it's reason a why legitimate identity wait, of the club. I think that's also a reason why the careful word choice of moniker is being put in place. When you go to BSC Young Boys, right? Is that a mascot? Do you have a, a young, young boy, boy running around? No, you don't. I get it. In the original MLS days where you might have somebody dressed up in what was the old MLS Columbus crew logo right the crew cat the crew cat the crew cat man did yeah. you do
1: you remember the crew cat?
0: I saw it from afar, but I have never been to a Columbus crew uh, game in that in that era that was uh, that was not my region of habitants but look there are multiple clubs in the world that have an identity like that, that isn't just their name and football club or soccer club right. at the end. And it's they're successful not because that's their name, but because they earned it with culture, with identity, and with consistency in the fans, in their support, in match day experience. You know, whether you want to be Nashville SC and you have, you know, guitar riffs and golden plaque records and you have big speakers and lots of uh, music play at your new stadium, or you're the timbers where you're cutting off a log every time you score a goal, or you're Atlanta United and you got Waka Flocka and Big Boy and Usher and Ludacris and TI pull up to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, there's identity in that. And when you take away crew, you're taking away all the work that's been done not by you, the club, but by the people. I'm glad you said identity because
1: I think MLS is in, in a sort of identity crisis. What is it? What do you think in ten? What do you think in ten years?
0: They want to be the MLS best, they want officials. The best, they want to be one of the best leagues in the world. They want to be the top ten league in the world. I don't.
1: I don't think that's possible.
0: That's think, what. That's what they want. They want to be a top ten league in the world. And they. How do you do that? And a part of that is most certainly being better than better than Liga MX. And,
1: and do you think that, like, I, I think, and it's not only just that, oh, well, they're changing names and logos of teams and all that. I think it, there's, there's an identity crisis there. There's also identity crisis in do you want to be a free spending, high spending league? Because you're not going to be a top 10 league in this, in, this, in this world without doing that. But you're also having these salary structures be something that looks like it's going to continue At least midway through this decade, yeah. And without that increasing almost what five to ten times more than it is now, then you're not going to have that happen. And you know what? If you don't know what you want to, if you want to be a top ten league on the field and want to be a top ten league off the field, doing those two things, you could want whatever you want. I mean, whatever you want is is cool, but you're not going to be that. You're just not. And MLS is is hurting itself with some of these decisions and some of these trends that they're making upon themselves. And that I don't understand. And one more thought. When we we watch the pregame, the halftime, the postgame shows this weekend on ESPN and on Fox, when you have people say, oh, well, I I think this is a good thing for the MLS and I think this is a good thing for Columbus because they're trying to become this team that can be seen from all the world over because this is a sleeker logo, and I really like the name change, and I like the logo. It really appeals to me. Stop right there. I don't care what you have to say about it. With all due respect, I don't care what you have to say about it. You're wrong, and and your opinion matters little about that. And I guarantee you, every Columbus crew, soccer club fan in Columbus will feel the same way.
0: Because what you think doesn't matter to us. I mean, it it genuinely looks like you take an ice cube and you carve a sea inside it looks like so
1: you know those like you you had that trend where you would have those like dark comedy tra- you know movies where like they would play a riff the, the name would be a riff and the storylines would be a riff a parody, so, like, like a, a, movie, scary a parody, movie a parody something. yes
0: yeah
1: so like a parody a parody on a real movie it looks like somebody created a like a parody of like Guardians of the Galaxy and created a logo for one of the bad guys, and slapped it on. That's what that looks like—a yeah. bad parody, and so, that's
0: exactly what it is. So their logos—they have "crew" spelled with '96' in between the C is, and the R. Which the is the, the
1: hashtag everybody uses: okay. Crew '96.
0: And aside from that, you have the crew in just bold, you know, unique font, just bold gold lettering. Then you have Columbus Soccer Club in the same font, same lettering. Then you have the the state flag, you know, in, in shape in that, you know, checkered black and gold that we're used to seeing. Uh, and then you just have the C in the same lettering as the Columbus Soccer Club and the crew in that bold yellow, just in a very uh, uneven C with like a triangle at the bottom of the C. Did we ever slanted. get an explanation of the triangle? I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's where MLS is going, and you would hope that it wouldn't touch Think clubs about- like – it wouldn't <laughs> touch like clubs like Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers. And, I mean, we've seen Houston Dynamo started it off in the offseason. Obviously, Chicago fired before that. You know, CF Montreal follows Houston and their rebrand. <sighs> it's tough i'm excited for el Tráfico in
1: 2025 to be lafc versus lasc <laughs> and then fox goes from that to straight to uh portland fc versus seattle sc
0: yeah it's terrible but i look forward to and i really do hope that i can get a chance to see the new crew stadium july 21st Nashville sc
1: wait a minute what against the crew stadium who plays at crew stadium Oh, I don't know.
0: The, the, the Columbus, How would I know? How the Columbus, would I know? The Columbus SC Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick. We're going to wrap it up. Episode five
1: is in the books. Nothing frustrates me more than a group of people that do something just to do it. And that's exactly what I feel like this was. Columbus Crew or Columbus SC. Columbus, South Carolina. Indeed.
0: Well, Nick, episode five is in the books, but it's time so remind everybody to please subscribe to The Tennessean to find everything you want to know about Nashville SC. It helps us improve our journalism and it gives you the power to find the stories that you want to read about. To get me to dig for the stories that you want to hear about. So subscribe to The Tennessean. And please follow me on Twitter, Live Life Drake. Follow Nick Gray, underscore Nick Gray. Also, follow me on Instagram, Drake Hills Soccer. I'm here. Did for, you get gas, by the yeah, way? I did get gas. I had some trouble. I had some trouble. Four attempts it <laughs> took me, but due to an uh, international hacking of an uh, American gas line, people just decided to take all the gas out of the pumps. Went to Shell, went to Thornton's. was almost getting ready to go to a Mapco. Ooh. But I found some gas at Thornton's and we're all good. Good deal. But that's going to wrap us up for episode five of Plugged In, a national soccer podcast. We will catch y'all next week. Peace.